This is Unexpected with Hannah Love. In this podcast, you will gain a new perspective of how God loves you enough to call you to things that you couldn't have imagined for yourself. Growing up, I rarely remember seeing soda or any kind of Coke or carbonated beverages in the house. We basically grew up on water and milk and the occasional pitcher of (laughs) Kool-Aid. To this day, I'm still not a Coke drinker. I will choose water over tea or soda or lemonade any day. My reasoning has always been that water is the only thing that quenches my thirst. I mean, I remember grabbing Mountain Dews or Dr. Peppers at basketball games from time to time, but they always made me thirstier. I would have to follow up my snack and drink with a gulp of water at the fountain just to break the thirst. Now, this line of thinking took me down a rabbit trail about thirst. What it is and why do we have it? So I looked up the definition. Thirst, a sensation of dryness in the mouth and throat caused by a need of liquid. The physical condition resulting from this need in any various degree, strong or eager desire or craving. I thought, isn't it interesting that water is the only thing that really satisfies that thirst? Water is pure. It is the basis of life. We were surrounded by it in the womb and are predominantly made up of it. Then, in comparison, you have Cokes, with all that sugar and carbonation. Added, in fact, by man. Unnatural, if you will. And specifically, the ingredients in them are meant to create a desire for more and more. If you've lived any amount of life, you've probably noticed that consuming sugar makes you crave more sugar. I mean, I know, I love sugar. I've got a sweet tooth 100% of the time. Anyway, it becomes a cycle, and eventually it does become an addiction. And then I thought, this is a perfect parallel for sin in life, or to be more blunt, worldliness. Once we have a taste, we develop a desire for more and more. But the core need is never actually met. Worldliness often has a connotation of being an old churchy word, so I took the liberty of looking up the definition. Worldly, as defined by Dictionary.com, has several but all similar meanings. One reads, Of or relating to this world as contrasted with heaven, spiritual life, etc. Earthly, mundane. Two reads, experienced, knowing, sophisticated. And three reads, devoted to, directed toward, or connected with the affairs, interests, or pleasures of this world. I was actually surprised to read these. I feel like my generation specifically has done one of two things with this word. As I mentioned earlier, I feel like we have either taken a bit of offense over the use of the word we deem antiquated by the church, Or, we have strived to become, as the second definition reads, experienced, knowing, and sophisticated, to display a certain level of success in the world. I know I used to fall into the first category myself, and I have to say I'm a little embarrassed at never having fully understood that it literally means in contrast with heaven. In fact, even as I began writing this piece, I initially described worldliness in my own words as the things man makes for man rather than the things that God makes for man. It's not far off, but to read the definition in contrast with heaven really puts it into clearer perspective. Anyway, back to my train of thought on thirst. 
and how to quench it. Worldliness is actually how most of us try to fill the need. Oftentimes, it does appear to be harmless, and sometimes it even looks like the answer to a need. Thirsty? Have a soda. You'll crave more. Want attention? Post that photo to Instagram. It won't be long before you're posting the next, trying to fill the need for attention or validation. Sad? Medicate with substances until you feel better. For a time. But it's never the cure for the real problem. You're trying to fill a void and quench a thirst that only God can. It's the same for money. It's the same for fame or power or influence or any other construct that we chase. Filling needs through worldly means. It just doesn't work. The things themselves are not necessarily bad. I mean, God gave us so many resources to enjoy. But if they are being used to fill a need instead of going to God Himself, they will always leave you thirsting for more. Why do you think you see so many wealthy individuals who are deeply unhappy, who are looking for something they can't put their finger on? They thirst. But they are seeking to meet needs with the man-made rather than the God-given. God offers Himself. He offered His Son. At the end of the day, the whole can only be filled with the love of Christ and the validation of freedom through Him. Let me share a story from the Bible that talks about thirst. It has everything to do with human habits. It has to do with searching for something in this world that we can only find in Christ. John 4, 1-30, the message translation reads, Jesus realized that the Pharisees were keeping count of the baptisms that he and John performed, although his disciples, not Jesus, did the actual baptizing. So Jesus left the Judean countryside and went back to Galilee. To get there, he had to pass through Samaria. He came to Sitcher, a Samaritan village that bordered the field Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. Jesus, worn out by the trip, sat down at the well. It was noon. A woman, a Samaritan, came to draw water. Jesus said, Would you give me a drink of water? His disciples had gone to the village to buy food for lunch. The Samaritan woman, taken aback, asked, How come you, a Jew, are asking me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? Jews in those days wouldn't be caught dead talking to Samaritans. Jesus answered, If you knew the generosity of God and who I am, you would be asking me for a drink, and I would give you fresh living water. The woman said, Sir, you don't even have a bucket to draw with, and this well is deep. So how are you going to get this living water? Are you a better man than our ancestor Jacob, who dug this well and drank from it, he and his sons and livestock, and passed it down to us? Jesus said, Everyone who drinks this water will get thirsty again and again. Anyone who drinks the water I give will never thirst, not ever. The water I give will be an artisan spring within, gushing fountains of endless life. The woman said, Sir, give me this water so I won't ever get thirsty, won't ever have to come back to this well again. He said, Go, call your husband, and then come back. I have no husband, she said. That's nicely put. I have no husband. You've had five husbands. And the man you're living with now isn't even your husband. You spoke the truth there, sure enough. Oh, so you're a prophet. Well, tell me this. Our ancestors worshiped God at this mountain, but you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place to worship, right? Believe me, woman, the time is coming when you Samaritans will worship the Father neither here at this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship guessing in the dark. 
We Jews worship in the clear light of day. God's way of salvation is made available through the Jews, but the time is coming. It has, in fact, come, when what you're called will not matter and where you go to worship will not matter. It's who you are and the way that you live that will count before God. Your worship must engage your spirit in the pursuit of truth. That's the kind of people the Father is looking for, those who are simply and honestly themselves before Him in their worship. God is sheer being itself, spirit. Those who worship Him must do it out of their very being, their spirits, their true selves in adoration. The woman said, I don't know about that. I do know that the Messiah is coming. When He arrives, we'll get the whole story. I am He, said Jesus. You won't have to wait any longer or look any further. Then the disciples came back. They were shocked. They couldn't believe He was talking with that kind of woman. No one said what they were all thinking, but their faces showed it. The woman took the hint and left. She forgot her water pot. Back in the village, she told the people, Come, see a man who knew all the things I did, who knows me inside out. Do you think this could be the Messiah? And they went to see for themselves. I love this story. I love that Jesus welcomes unexpected people. I love that their testimonies are the ones that stop people in their tracks. I could go on for days about the details in this passage alone, but for time's sake, I'll say this. This woman was a prostitute. That's what the townspeople thought of her, and that's what the disciples thought of her. But not Jesus. Jesus saw a woman who was trying to fill a void. He saw a woman who longed for identity, security, and love. A woman who, in essence, longed to be pursued and chosen. Her choices, however, left her in a cycle, chasing what the world offered instead of what God offered. Truth, Himself, His love, His promise to never leave her or forsake her. And the moment Jesus reveals Himself to her, her heart recognized Him for who He is. She technically even becomes the first Christian evangelist in history, going out of her way, of her own accord, to share how Jesus revealed the truth and changed her life. Jesus said, Anyone who drinks the water I give will never thirst, not ever. The water I give will be an artisan spring within, gushing fountains of endless life. Jesus is the living water. Jesus is the truth. So whoever finds and accepts Him will never need to chase that missing thing in life again. The purest source of life is in Jesus Christ. Once you accept Him, you will recognize what a dead end the rest of it was. We can go back to Him over and over, knowing God's Spirit is in us and His purposes are for us. Endless life in the living water. I want to leave you today with this reminder. If you are trying to meet the need or quench the thirst with what the world offers, you'll feed an addiction rather than fill a void. Until you look to what is pure and God-given, you'll be left with an insatiable pursuit of the world. Success can't touch it, money can't cover it, and influence won't fill it. Only God can do that. Like water in a desert, the purest source. Today, I pray you'll ask Him in and let Him become the greatest substance of your life. Thank you so much for listening today. If this episode has encouraged you, please feel free to share it with your family and friends. 
There's a lot of stuff going on in the world today, and my hope is that this show is a candle in the dark.